It's Monday, February 13th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Stock Advisor Jason Moser and from Motley Fool Pro Jeff Fisher. Gentlemen, happy Monday. Happy, happy Monday, Monday, Chris. Uh, we've got some news from Apple. We've got some news from Chipotle, but we are going to start with the latest from Greece. Uh, as of this taping, the Greek parliament passed a package of drastic cuts in wages, pensions, and jobs, all to secure a $172 billion bailout by the EU and the International Monetary Fund. Uh, we've seen the reports of violent protests all over the country, and the Eurozone finance ministers are going to meet on Wednesday. Um, Jeff Fisher, I'll start with you. Um, when you look at, obviously, an evolving situation in Greece, what is your takeaway as an investor? Well, that'll do it right. Let's cut the minimum wage 20%, which is part of this package, and that'll solve our debt problems. <laughs> There's no relation whatsoever. That's, it's a ridiculous assumption. Uh, what What's happening here is Greece is taking on more debt in return to promise the EU, basically promise them lower income in the years to come, which is another ridiculous juxtaposition the minute you stop to think about it. Because yeah. their GDP is already shrinking more than people feared. It's going to continue to shrink, and that leaves them in an even weaker state to pay back the debt that they have. Greece is bankrupt. No one wants to admit it. They need to default. This just kicks kicks everything down the road yet again, and all the people pay a price. Now, you can say, oh, well, a lot of people haven't paid taxes in Greece, and that may be true, but for the most part, from what I read, that's the very wealthy who avoid massive tax bills, whereas the average working Greek is like any of us here, just yep. making a wage, paying their taxes, and now they're facing this big cut in minimum wage, big cut in social pensions and other programs, and 15,000 public sector job cuts. So once again, for the government line in the past, saying they had more money than they did, yep. the population is paying the price with these little things that actually don't even address the problem. So it's it's absurd. Jason, what do you think? It just it, it, is Jeff right that uh, the, the, yeah, the, the way to get beyond this is just to have them default? Personally, yeah. I mean, it seems to me like we see every day a new Greece headline. Either it's you know up in the air, now they've got an agreement, we're not sure what's going to happen. And so for me, this reiterates the importance really of, of as investors and as foolish investors, I mean, looking at things for a, a long-term horizon, investing in companies that you understand and how they make money that are not just exposed to these types of, of macroeconomic and, and headline types of events. Um, because you don't know what's going to happen the very next day. And the, the problem is, yeah, I mean, they're glossing over the implications of austerity here. Austerity implies less economic activity, which just like Jeff said, I mean, there's no way they can get themselves out of this hole that they've dug themselves into. Uh, so I, I really I wish they would be allowed to just default. Let's get this thing moving forward. But the problem then becomes if they do default you know, who's next? Because it's going to be Italy or Spain or Portugal or someone that just says, hey, wait a minute, that's not fair. <laughs> we should be allowed to default, too. Well, and as we were talking about uh, before we started taping, I mean, that that seems to be part of the problem here, that it's it, we do have, you know, it's not hard to view one of these other EU countries, whether it's Italy or Spain or someone else, as being the next proverbial domino to fall, because it's not as if all the other countries are in great shape economically, and Greece is this outlier. We've, we, you know, we, we do have other dominoes ready to fall. And that's the main fear, the contagion fear, if you let this one. And it's a shame because Greece is such a small part of the EU. What, what I think should have been done much earlier is the EU should have come together, completely shored up Greece, 
completely taken care of its debt problem because it's a fraction of the EU's budget and not ever have have allowed this to get to the point where it has gotten now where Italy's yields are high and Spain's yields, not to mention Portugal and Hungary. They let it go too far because they didn't take decisive action at the start and they didn't do that because of some moral high ground. We can't bail out this little country type of thing. And we saw the very same parallel with the investment banks here. Some failed, some didn't. Some didn't. And, you know, what was the, the decider? It just... You have a small group of people in power that are really kind of making the calls based on their best judgment. And I, I think the problem with the EU is you, you have a larger group of people with some very diverse backgrounds and some, you know, very diverse set of goals, too. Uh, Apple has a couple of high-profile lawsuits in the works. It is suing Samsung, claiming that Samsung violated four patents with its new phone. Um, this is not to be confused with Apple's lawsuit against Motorola Mobility, over Motorola Mobility's license agreement with Qualcomm. Jeff, you were saying uh, to me earlier this morning, you like this move by Certainly, Apple. Certainly. Definitely. They, Apple is notorious, famous for patenting everything they possibly can, and they should, and then enforcing those patents. They have the money to enforce it. They have the the will and the, the need, lawyers. The need to, exactly. You can just imagine Steve Jobs saying in the last tragic year of his life, whatever you do, don't let these people get away with taking our ideas. And that's that's true. They're, pat- they're putting patents on ideas, everything from how you swipe your finger to start your phone to the look of the icon, how you move the icons l- around. Mm-hmm. And now you're seeing all these copy, copycat programs and, and phones out there on the market that are similar enough that Apple has a case and Apple should go after it. I completely agree. Uh, and from a timing standpoint, Google, uh, which uh, is in the process of acquiring Motorola Mobility, that that's getting ready to wrap up either this week or next week, isn't mm-hmm. it? At the same time, right? <laughs> Which and they're so they're going after Motorola so, as well. So I was going to say, I mean, so even though Apple is not suing Google, they they are they sort of are yeah, in some ways sort of sticking it to Google, right? And for good reason, as we all know from the famous Apple Google board fight. So. <clears throat> yeah, and I think this really is something that you know this goes much further than just a fight between Apple and Google or Motorola and Apple. Um, I think it just really – it, it really emphasizes the importance of these patents, of these licenses, and, and where we're headed in, in this uh, you know, age of technology. And so when you have companies like Apple and Google that are really trying to, to protect what they're developing, it, you know, we have a company in Stock Advisor, Interdigital Communications, that went through very much the same thing. It was, it was up on the block for a potential sale, and there were rumors of suitors being either Apple or, or Google. And, and Interdigital is just one of those patent and licensing companies that, that – you know, has this big portfolio of patents for these mobile communications companies, and uh, you know the stock price was certainly inflating on on the rumors. But then they came out with their most recent earnings call, and they said, "Hey, upon further review, we're not going to put ourselves up for sale." And once the market realized that there wasn't going to be a big powerhouse out there bidding, you know, the highest price, the stock price got whacked. So it shows you how volatile these these patents. Uh, can be. Yes. Spe- speaking ahead, of uh, inflated stock prices earlier today, shares of Apple <laughs> over five hundred dollars. That's that's actually getting more headlines today than uh, than the lawsuits are, which um, is weird to me. I don't. I mean, like I, my first reaction was, "Yay!" I mean, it'll be over six hundred <laughs> soon. So what? <laughs> but then you know the other. It's this, a big round number. We're yeah, Americans. I we like so. big round numbers that end in zero. We were talking about this other one that snuck under the radar here today. In, uh, what is it? Uh, intuitive, intuitive, intuitive surgical. Yeah, popped over five hundred for the 500. first time. Well. And and then, now, granted, there's a difference between the size of the companies. Apple's like 465 billion, and Intuitive Surgical's like 20 billion. But mm-hmm. the difference between what these companies do, 
I mean, you made this joke earlier about the constitutional right to an iPhone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, intuitive surgical is just out there saving lives. We, that's all. It, yeah, <laughs> but we don't have a constitutional right to uh, you know surgery by the intuitive surgical Da Vinci machine. <laughs> but we are guaranteed in the Constitution. It's somewhere in the back. It's one of the later amendments. I'm not sure where, but somewhere in the Constitution. I think we are all guaranteed an iPhone. And the thing with Apple, even at $500 per share, it is at the lowest or one of the lowest valuation multiples it has been at in some 10 years because earnings have grown so much. So it's you could say it's cheaper than it was five, six, seven years ago now. So, so with that in mind, do you like the stock over the next couple of years, even though it's past this you know, $500 barrier? I own shares. I, I certainly do. Yeah, yeah I most definitely do. I don't own shares, and I kind of keep wishing I'd shut up about it so I could buy some. <laughs> um, you, you, it's one of these ones you can't count on it having some big earnings miss where you get to, to buy the stock on the cheap. And, and like Jeff said, it, you, can, you can make the case for that stock being cheap today. So, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, and people are worried that it can keep growing, but the size does not detract from your ability to grow. In some cases, it adds to it, of course. So I think it has a much larger market ahead of it. The mobile computer market space is just beginning. Uh, last night during the Grammy Awards, Chipotle Mexican Grill aired its first ever national television commercial. It was an animated film that was actually produced last summer. It ran online. It ran in movie theaters. Um, the ad features Willie Nelson's cover of a Coldplay song. They actually, I don't know if they did this on purpose, but it, it was timed up so that it ran in a commercial break right after Coldplay had performed during the Grammys. And it outshined Coldplay. Yeah, I mean, there was, it got, the ad got a lot of good buzz on Twitter. There were people saying that, like, wow, you know, the, the Willie Nelson cover of Coldplay, actually better than Coldplay. Um, but, but I, I wanted to talk about this for this reason. Um, it's, this is a company that's been very successful. Certainly the, the shares of Chipotle have done very well. Um, but now they're making this move to national television advertising. The chief marketing officer uh, from Chipotle came out and said, yes, the, in fact, they are moving their advertising budget and their marketing budget away from radio, away from outdoor advertising, and more towards national TV. Jason, I'll start with you. Is that a red flag to you? Is that is that something? Because, I mean, it's, it's not cheap to advertise on national TV. No. And, and arguably, you cannot track the results as well as you can as if it's online. Is this a good move for Chipotle? Yeah, you keyed in on something very important there at the beginning of the story, and that was that you saw this commercial last year. on They ran it out last year online. I was going to say the same thing. I remember seeing this probably six or seven months ago online. And so, to me, maybe this is a good move. I mean, my, my first inclination is to say no, it's not really necessary, because Chipotle is one of those companies that, very much like Starbucks, is, is People just know it. I mean, it's word of mouth, grassroots advertising. To people, you just—it's everybody knows it. Um, it's going to cost them a lot of money to do this, obviously, and I have a feeling that it's not going to reach the same type of audience that maybe social media advertising would. It's probably something they wanted to give a shot to see what kind of reception they got with it. I don't know that we would see them rolling out some major, you know, national advertising campaign coming out with these new funny hip commercials every few months or so. Um, to me, social media is proving itself to be the new, um, the new superior medium uh, for advertising. I mean, we we were talking about Procter and Gamble, for example, that just mm -hmm. recently rolled out an advertising uh, campaign for Secret Deodorant, and Secret is another one of those that everyone just knows it. Uh, they rolled out an advertising campaign on Facebook, and it turned out that the campaign actually ended up boosting sales of Secret and actually picking up market share as well. 
uh, all attributed to this Facebook advertising campaign, which you astutely noted they could track who this advertising was going to, mm-hmm. who was clicking what, where, whereas a TV commercial, you can't do that. So moving away from Chipotle and Procter & Gamble, if you're Facebook – or Google, or even LinkedIn for that matter, where some, not all, but some of LinkedIn's revenue is from advertising, um, doesn't that, aren't they in a position uh, to make even more money from advertising revenue than they would otherwise? Yes. <laughs> just like <laughs> yes, that? Just yes. <laughs> and I mean, I think you have to look at companies like Facebook, LinkedIn, and Google as, you know, over the next decade, I think that these are going to be companies that really benefit from this. At least right now, it looks that way. You never know how the landscape will change. But back to Chipotle, I, I think periodic TV commercials yep. make sense during large events like the Grammys, especially if they put enough time and money into it that it then becomes buzz online and you can download the song on iTunes in this case. And I'm, I'm certain their sales this week, extra sales, will, will more than pay for what they what they spent on that commercial. Well, so if they stand to gain, doesn't uh, the first company I'm thinking of in terms of who stands to lose is Clear Channel, which owns hundreds of radio stations, also uh, owns a, a, a huge uh, dis- outdoor display, you know, billboard advertising business. Um, if radio and outdoor advertising are, are the losers here, I have to believe a company like Clear Channel is, is threatened to an even greater degree uh, by something like this. I would, yeah, I would agree. I w- yeah, I would guess, and unless they evolve and adapt in such a way, maybe you drive by a billboard and now it tells you to text something here to get an yep. instant uh, deal at the at the next exit or something like that. But, yeah, I mean it's very basic form, and you have to look at you know twenty years ago it was TV and radio, and today it's it's. There are many more factors at play. There's TV, radio, satellite radio. There's the internet, social media, everything like that. So there are plenty more players in there that are, are trying to trying to get their share. And, and so it certainly takes away from the competitive position that TV and radio once had. Uh, it is the day before Valentine's Day. Uh, so I, I'm just going to remind you. And, and you're you're both much better husbands than I am. Um, <laughs> Who told you uh, really? That? <laughs> uh, it's just I'm, it's just a law of averages. I'm I'm just assuming that any room I'm in, most most husbands are just they're just better husbands I than I am. Um, any any uh, any tips? Whether it's for me or someone else out there, any tips for Valentine's Day? You know, it can be a present, it can be a gesture. Um, here's my, here's my one criteria though. It's and and this actually comes from our producer Matt Greer. It's it can't look last minute. It can't. It can't just smack of. I just ran to CVS and got a Whitman sampler, you know, of of chocolates. It's got to look thoughtful. It's got to okay. look like I put some time. Into this. Okay, I'm going to give you one very simple, simple idea that, you know, Valentine's Day, the, the stereotypical dozen red roses, yep. yada yada yada, big yep. deal. Okay, I think that's a big loser. Okay? okay, because it's so easy. Yeah. What you need to do is you just need to go buy you, buy her flowers. Okay, but don't buy the red roses. Buy her the flowers that you know that she loves. It's that simple. And All how, of a sudden, and how do I like know that? Real ch- well, see, that's where you got it. That's that's the tough part right there. And so you got to drop just little subtle hints. You know, maybe you're around the house and say, you know what, we'll look up you know, on that shelf right there. Maybe maybe some lilies or some hydrangea or something. And she says, no, really, I like da 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 da. And you say, ah, there you go, irises. Okay, well, and then you go get her a big old 
bouquet of irises or something. All right. So okay. don't just get her red roses. Get her the flowers that you know that she really loves. Okay. Now, I will preface this by I, w- I will go ahead and qualify this, but I don't know what flowers my wife really loves. So, Robin, if you're out there, I, just a hint, please drop something. Yeah, drop us I'm an clueless. email. Radio at fool.com. <laughs> my, li- my, my wife loves peonies, and they're very hard to find right now. So, Jason, I need, I need some other tip from you. But <laughs> Well, <laughs> the same applies for candy, too. <laughs> well, true. But Chris and Mac behind the glass, I love that you guys spring this on us last minute and make us come up with an idea. <laughs> Again, we're not... We're, that can't be last minute. We're, we're, not, we're not good husbands. But, oh, come on. Going ten ten, ten years, listening. right, Jason? Ten years? Jason ten, yeah, we just hit ten, ten in December. Yeah. Ten years in May. Okay. How about you, Chris? Uh, it was my understanding there was not going to be math on this episode <laughs> of Market Foolery. Uh, I think I'm honing in on, I think, uh, 16 so far. Oh, so I should be looking for a tip from you. Yeah, but if I, yeah. but, but who knows? If I blow this Valentine's Day, maybe it's just going to stop at 16. Maybe he's just past the point of no return. You don't have it. What, what did you get your lovely, uh, lovely bride, Melissa, for uh, Valentine's Day? This year? Yeah. Uh, nothing. What okay. did you get? Yeah. No. What, what, <laughs> what am I what going I'm, to get? I'm going to promise her a weekend away with her, with her sister. So nice. Nothing says romance like, here's time away from me, <laughs> <laughs> your substandard husband. Trust me, in our house it does. <laughs> Radio at fool.com. By all means, help us out. We need, as you, as you can tell from listening, we need as much help as possible in the Valentine's Day category. Radio at fool.com. Jason Moser, Jeff Fisher. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank, Thank you. you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time. Hope there is a next time. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say I'm going to go with lilies, but even then I'm not really sure. <laughs> I, I think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to buy her some lilies. And if it doesn't go over well, I'm going to be like, Jason said you like lilies. <laughs> Carnations and Reese's Pieces. Honey, I'm home. <laughs>